Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. The Atlantic's first featured documentary, White Noise, is the definitive look inside the story of the movement known as the alt-right. With unprecedented access, White Noise tracks the rise of far-right nationalism by focusing on the lives of three of its main proponents. Mike Cernovich, conspiracy theorist and sex blogger turned media entrepreneur, Lauren Southern, an anti-feminist, anti-immigration YouTube star, and Richard Spencer, a white power ideologue, directed and shot by Daniel Lombroso. In his directorial debut, this film takes the viewer into a, the terrifying heart of the movement known as the alt-right. To you, Daniel Lombroso, welcome to Film School Radio. Thank you for having me. What prompted this to become an idea that you wanted to turn into a documentary film about the alt-right? Yeah, so I started covering the alt-right as a reporter at The Atlantic in, in 2016. I saw, you know, pretty startling racism and anti-Semitism bubbling up online, but also um, on college campuses, which I had just left a few years before. And, you know, at the time, the group was not especially well, well known. Alt-right was not in the zeitgeist. And, you know, the three characters in the film were sort of unknown quantities, but they were also having a tremendous amount of influence. So I started with uh, a series of short documentaries, um, and during one of which I caught a room full of people breaking out into Nazi salutes, which was this big viral moment at the time. They said, hail Trump, hail our people, and, and broke out into salutes. And, um, you know, that was a big moment and, 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 and really shaped the news cycle the way we think about the alt-right, but then had a full-time job making videos. So I returned to my other work, you know, doing other shorts and doing explainers and things like that. August of 2017, eight months after Trump's election, Charlottesville happened. And I'm sure everyone remembers that was just a nightmarish scene where, you know, a white supremacist killed um, an unarmed protester. And, and when that happened, you know, we, I've always wanted to do features and, and, you know, all the journalists at the Atlantic knew how important this was. And they gave me the go ahead to start pursuing it more seriously. And let me ask you about Charlotte Phillip, because in addition to what happened and the, the, this was a unite the right rally, uh, bringing together a lot of these alt-right groups and was it just the event itself or was also this fueled by President Trump's reaction to what happened? I think it would have been big either way. But okay. President, no, President Trump failing to disavow the group yeah. was was insane in a way that, you know, as someone who covers politics would have never expected. And they all took that to be a positive. They saw the president defending them. And of course, you know, days later, he walked it back, but he, he knew what he was doing. And those dog whistles are are an intentional way to, to, to pander to, to his base. Yeah. I, I just, uh, my observation on this is there have been two events in the last few years that I think have really galvanized people around activism. Well, actually three, the election of Donald Trump is one. I think that's huge. Uh, this, this rally at Charlottesville. And I also think Parkland are the three things that in people's minds are completely unacceptable. And um, and I think that this causes tremendous reaction. And your film is in some ways a, a byproduct of, of just what, what I'm what I'm saying. So is that yeah. sound right to you or you that that does. Yeah, it's interesting to, to group Parkland with it. But I think, you know, gun violence is kind of tangentially related to all of this. Um, 
Yeah, I well, mean, the, there's, go ahead, sorry. Well, the, no, no, sorry. The reason I bring Parkland into it, in terms of people understanding, uh, young people understanding that they have a lot more political power than they could have ever imagined that they would have, I think yeah. in terms of seeing a success happen on their watch in terms of awareness of gun violence, especially in campuses, and how quickly it, it sort of galvanized, crystallized and a nationwide protest and a movement and a, a real changing of the perspective perspectives around gun control. That's, that's why I include it. No, I think that's true. And, you know, ever since Trump's election, there's been a tremendous amount of energy on the left and, you know, millennials are more involved in politics than ever before. I think the kind of troubling flip side of that is that a lot of them are also turning to conspiracy and to ultranationalism and, yeah. you know, white noise tries to examine that pretty yes. upsetting section of it. Well, let, let's talk about how you uh, were able to gain some level of confidence with three of the people that are featured in the film, uh, Lauren Southern, Michael uh, Cernovich, and Richard Spencer. We know Richard Spencer from from the video that you were talking about that went viral. The, he was the one speaking when that crowd of people in that hotel ballroom burst into Hitler salutes. Um, but tell me a little bit about how you were able to kind of make yourself um, available to them in a way that they were willing to bring you into their lives. I think key to the access is that I work alone as a filmmaker. So I'm the director, but I'm also the cinematographer and co-producer. And it was really an independent film that was housed and supported by the Atlantic. But, you know, when I was out in the field, I was alone and they would, the Atlantic gave me space to really pursue and develop the relationships. So I think in a way it kind of neutralized them. You know, if you show up with a big doc crew and, and lights and set up an interview, you're just going to get Richard's like usual sound bites. But, you know, I would sit with them for, for hours and hours or even days just to build access and develop a rapport. So many of those scenes were cut from the film. One example is uh, I went to Berkeley, which was supposed to be, it was called Berkeley Free Speech Week. It was supposed to be the Woodstock of the far right. And the whole thing was a shit show and basically fell through. But everyone hung out in an Airbnb, you know, maybe 15 of these like East celebrity far right figures. And I basically just sat with them for two days straight, 10, 12 hours a day. Maybe I filmed 20, 30 minutes a day, but little things. And that like, you know, in a way developed rapport. And I think, I think to them show that at least this kid has the courage to, you know, sit with us and hear our views and, and, and really reckon with them. And, um, you know, I picked my moments and fought with them, but I really kind of just wanted to understand where they were coming from. And, and that gave me the space to, to start to build something. Well, well, I'm glad you're, I'm glad we're talking about this part of the filmmaking because to your credit, to the film's credit, White Noise, um, it it humanizes these people in ways that um, I would not have expected. It's an unexpected part of the film for me is that I get to know these people and uh, you show them, you know, in, in situations where their humanity comes out and which I'm grateful for because I think it, you would have been doing a disservice to your craft if you would just simply shown them yelling or being belligerent or being doing something obnoxious. Uh, this really, in some ways, in many ways, makes this a much more powerful film and it makes it a more lasting impression on the viewer. For me, it certainly does. Um, Thank you. Thank yeah. You. Yeah. I, I think that's a very important thing. And, yeah. and it also lends itself to 
um, some arc to their particular stories as well. Talk if you wouldn't mind talk a little more about the that part of it. Yeah, I think the whole film is about who they are in their in their private spheres. You know, all of these people have pretty you know well known public personas, especially Richard and Mike. Lauren, to a lesser extent, she's famous strangely in Europe. Um, but you know, I think the beauty of the film is to understand who they are in private, and there are definitely human moments. I think. More than that, there are moments of them just struggling to reckon, reckon or, you know, sympathize or fit, synthesize rather, you know, the ideas they espouse with the way they actually live their lives. And um, I think that's tremendously revealing. I don't know if you do spoilers on this show, but, um, you know, Lauren, for example, yeah. you know, is very publicly, you know, talking about how we have to preserve white culture and the white race. And then at yeah. the end of the film, spoiler alert, um, she ends up with a partner who's not white. Um, Daniel, can we say that a little bit differently? Uh, just because I don't want to give anything away. Can you say it more like um, and something at the end of the film? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I yeah. just I, I mean, you know, something happens. Yeah. Some... Yeah, yeah. Let me try again. Um, <laughs> so Lauren, who is this person who, you know, advocates for traditional gender roles. Um, you know, and, and, and is very uh, even supportive of some of the really, you know, aggressive misogyny in the movement starts to see some of those views affect her as a woman in the space. And she deals with, you know, across the film, you'll see her dealing with, you know, all sorts of misogyny and even a pretty bad example of sexual harassment. Um, and when it affects her, she really doesn't like it as, as she shouldn't. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I don't want to give away a spoiler, but she, in her lived, you know, in her life, also makes certain choices in her relationships um, that very contra you know very strongly contradict her views, especially on on race. And what's interesting about that exchange um, with Lauren Southern is how little she's willing to admit that it brings up contradictions in her worldview, which I think is an important part. And that that's there is again the 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 story behind the story with them is they are in varying degrees, re self-reflective. But I think Michael uh, Cernovich kind of gives away the game at one point. And it's very early on in the film, in some ways, I think this, maybe it's, let me start over. He, Michael Cernovich kind of gives away some of the motivation behind what they do and why they do it, which is to create, to be troublemakers, to be contrarians, to be something that brings attention to them in particular. Is that, am I being fair to Michael? That's definitely fair. He says in the film that he's a mischief maker. Mischief. The, 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 the taxi driver, funny enough, asked how he defines himself and he couldn't figure a good answer to the question because, you know, there's no, one day he's alt-right, the next day he's not. One day he's a men's rights blogger, the next day he's not. But the one thing that's core to him is that he's a he's a provocateur and a troublemaker and a contrarian. Whatever the dominant view is in society, he's going to say the opposite because it's good for his attention and it's good for his brand. I think Lauren is the even more extreme version. She's just a contrarian to the bone. She says at one point she talked. There's a point about her origin story in Vancouver, and the first time she felt real power is when uh, you know she stood up her, her teacher was trying to teach about systemic racism that, you know, if you're a person of color or a woman, you might have a harder time. And Lauren stood up and fought with the teacher and for the first time felt this real power that she could, you know, fight back and 
yeah. you know, that's that the rest is history. That's what she does every day is whatever the dominant narrative is, is she's going to say the opposite yeah. to the point that, to the point that with her, we'd sometimes joke, like, you know, if we lived in a fascist dictatorship, she would be like a liberal marching in the streets. <laughs> well, I want to remind our listeners we're speaking with the director of this terrific uh, documentary film called White Noise, and that would be Daniel Lombroso. And um, it is it is something for all of us to see. I mean, I really think this is, a, especially in the times that we live in, to be able to pull back the curtain because a lot of the power that's derived on the part of people who are at the extreme ends of the political spectrum, and particularly the right, they seem to me, my opinion, is more prone to provoking violent reactions to what they do. And I'm not saying that people on the left don't do it, but the alt-right seems sort of, it's, 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 not, a, it's not a bug, it's a feature in their particular uh, ideology. Uh, and uh, this film does an awful lot to explain what's going on with three of the more prominent people in this movement and how much of an impact sort of behind the scenes, under the covers of the electoral system uh, that they've had a disproportionate influence on not only the election itself, <clears throat> excuse me, but on the way that Donald Trump has chosen to govern and who he's appealing to in his political um when he reaches out to to the electorate, he reaches out and speaks to more often than not to these people. So I think this is really important to understand. And 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 uh, correct me if there's anything about that that you that you would um, you don't agree with, Daniel. No, I think that's true. And thank you for the kind words about the film. I mean, yeah, I mean Trump is inciting violence and inciting against immigrants, and a lot of the reason. He does that is because he had he feels that he has the space to do it. Um, yeah. You know, this it's always hard to quantify the alt right specifically how large they are, but there are there's clearly a large section of this country that's sympathetic to those views, that's concerned about multiculturalism, and you know, there's white domestic terrorism is 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 without a doubt the largest uh, terror threat in the country now, and it's something his administration would never take seriously. They're just fanning the flames. The FBI has said so. The FBI has said that white domestic terrorism is the greatest threat to of terrorism in this country. I remember when the Obama administration in the last months or so before they were um, they left office, they released a report, an FBI report on this saying exactly that, that this is a growing problem. And uh, the Republicans, to their to their shame, um, went completely ballistic and called it a political uh, document something that was not was not credible when did fa fighting against fascism domestic fascism terrorism become anti-american i'm just editorializing here a little bit daniel but this is this is just crazy it really is i feel like we're we're looking through a prism of into this into this issue uh, and that's not it's not helpful at all yeah i agree i mean even I can jump in like the notion of Antifa I'm I, I'm a reporter I'm you know an objective observer but Antifa you know the, the Republican Party and the right is is saying what okay the alt-right what about the, the alt-left and they're always talking about these radical thugs in the streets who are looting and rioting Antifa only exists in opposition to fascism I mean That's it's right. not a movement it's not a movement on its own it exists to dismantle fascism so right, right. if Richard Spencer didn't have Unite the Right those people would never be there 
Well, and also for me personally, I worked in politics for 15 years. I was a <clears throat> embedded in the what would be called kind of the Bernie Sanders left wing of the Democratic Party. And I went to a lot of events. I met a lot of people. I've been I was in it. And I never met anyone from Antifa. I don't know, you know, I know they are there. I'm not denying the existence of Antifa. And as you said, so when did it become such a bad idea to fight against fascism? When did that suddenly become something that we should be horrified by? But um, that's anyway. Uh, well, the film comes out on October 21st. It'll be released uh, on the video on demand. Uh, you've got iTunes, Amazon Prime Video and Google Play. I'll, I'll leave you with this question, and I'm very curious in terms of the reaction of the people in the film and any kind of trolling that you might be getting now. What has been the reaction to White Noise? Well, I'm getting, you know, throughout the process, got a tremendous amount of trolling and hate mail. I'm Jewish and both my grandmothers are Holocaust survivors and they not the three leaders of the movement, but some of the, you know, the followers and the, the lower downs pretty aggressively have attacked me and, and, and sent me hate mail and just like really kind of nasty Nazi-esque um, cartoons and anti-Semitic images. So that I had been getting throughout. It has certainly ramped up to a pretty dramatic extent the past few weeks. Um, we had a trailer up on YouTube and within 24 hours, something like a thousand or up, maybe up to 2000 comments poured in from, um, you know, from neo-Nazis that were very anti-Semitic and, and attacking me personally. Um, in terms of the subjects, you know, they, I think they know that the film has a lot of integrity and was done fairly. They're not yeah. happy with their depictions. I think it's just everyone in their head is living a hero's narrative. They think they're the protagonist. They think they're doing the right thing. And the film, like you said, is very objective. It observes, it observes who they are and, and, and pushes them. And I think it portrays a reality that they don't recognize but I think that's ultimately on them. I mean, it shows what happened and, you know, that is what happened. I'm actually, and having watched it, I'm actually hopeful in, in watching this film. And there are times in this film where I'm actually hopeful that they're going to stop what they're doing. I, I almost feel like you know, with Lauren uh, Southern and, and with uh, Cernovich, I feel like he's a, he's an entrepreneur. He's a marketer. He's a branding guy. I don't know if, I know. I mean, I, I felt like because of this fully fleshed out kind of uh, look at their lives, I felt so. Have, I'm sorry. I held out some hope for them. So I think that, uh, yeah, I, I yeah. think that's a testament to the to the film and to your filmmaking. So thank you. And yeah. I think uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't hold out hope much that they'll that they'll ever apologize because they you know very blatantly at the end of the film don't accept any accountability. Yeah. But what I, what I have found, which is really heartening is that when we screen for conservative audiences and my dad is quite conservative and a lot of people we showed, they see this film and realize like, wow, the conservative movement needs to get away from this. You know, that's not what we want to be. Yeah. And I think that for me, that's like what I hope to be the real sweet spot, obviously for, for liberals and progressives, but also conservatives who don't realize just how bad it's gotten, how much these elements have infiltrated um, their movement. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, well, I I want to thank you for for the film White Noise. I want to thank you for being here on Film School Radio, and uh, all the best on this, and certainly moving forward with your career. And if the time comes, come back and join us again. Uh, we'd love to have you. 
Thanks so much. That was a lot of fun. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Thank you. Thank you, Isaac. Thank you. Thank you very much. Of course. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Music